Well, good morning. It is good to see some faces. Oh, we have missed you. And we are glad that you're here with us. And we've got uh, a number of people in here uh, in our auditorium. We have also have an overflow room where we've got some uh, families with kids and some teenagers. I'm not sure what's going on in there, but they're watching this live. So we're glad you guys are in there. We have an eye on you. We're, there's a camera in there watching. No, I'm kidding. Um, but we are glad that you're with us. So it's been... Four months since we have been together and uh, live like this. And so for those who are comfortable, came in. Um, For those who are at home, we are glad you're worshiping with us online. And um, if you do decide that you would like to come and worship with us here, uh, we are trying to follow what is being recommended, which is everyone's wearing a mask unless you're on stage. Uh, We've got some masks that we'll give you. We also have some little journey masks that you can wear that are super comfortable. If So if you guys are here and want to grab one of those, you can um, as you're going out. Uh, we also have a number of T-shirts that we've had for a while. We're trying to move these out of here. So if you want to grab a T-shirt, then grab one. If you're here, you can grab one on your way out as long as uh, you can get whatever sizes are left. Um, but we are glad that you're here. We're glad to continue to move back towards getting to know one another. Uh, We're going to be doing a number of things just to try to make sure that we're uh, doing our part to keep everyone healthy and safe. And so among those things of wearing masks is thank you for sitting kind of with your family groups. That helps keep some separation. Uh, We took temperature as people walked in. And if your temperature is over 100, then uh, we're, we're just asking that your family group would not come in to the service that day. Um, and our service is going to be shorter. So I'm going to share with you uh, a shorter sermon today than I normally do, and we're going to try to limit our time together. As the weeks go on, we hope to do fewer and fewer of these things. Um, but for right now, to make sure that we're safe, that's what we're doing, and then we'll continue um, as we are able to take off masks and spend more time together. We'll, we'll do that. Um, also, I just want to say a big thank you for all the folks that have, for the last four months, have been working hard to make sure that we have an online presence. And um, so let's just thank uh, Wayne and Jeremy doing our tech stuff. Uh, and they've been, they've been here all, just about every week. Uh, and some of you have said you're still having some sound issues. We're doing the best we can mixing for, for the environments. Um, and we'll see if we can't bump up that up. And um, also our, our worship team, Josh and family, were out of town, um, and, and Don stepped in and done a great job today leading us in worship with our worship team. Let's just thank them for continuing to be here with us. Um, Natalia did, a, did a, an object lesson live today. Natalia's been putting out a video every single week, so we have something for our kids while we're not doing kids' ministry yet. Um, so we're just thank, thankful for, for them, thankful for Scott and all his work, for all of you and your support um, and just supporting our church financially, supporting our church emotionally, supporting it spiritually by praying, investing in each other online. Uh, I just appreciate you all, but I really underestimated how good it is to see everybody, um, how much I've missed everyone. So we are just really thrilled that you're here, uh, and we're looking forward to, to doing more together as the months go by. Uh, one announcement I do want to make is that Uh, We are continuing to provide a meal for Room in the Inn. And so what we're doing right now is we're just, we are either catering or we're providing a meal. We're not individually bringing the dishes. 
um, to take to them. And so if you would like to donate towards that, there's a yellow box right outside the door as you leave the auditorium. And you can just put a donation in there, and that will go to help provide a meal. Uh, we'll take that up this week and next week. Also, for you guys in here, when we leave, we're going to try to follow the enter one door, exit another door. So as you go out of here, um, there will also be our gray offering bucket. We're not going to pass the offering bucket in the room, so you can just drop your offering in there if you'd like to do that. And we're going to just exit over beside the restrooms, right, through that side door, and encourage you to, to visit um, outside if you'd like to visit outside and we're again just trying to to do everything we can to ensure everyone stays well um we're starting a new series today i don't know about you but over the last few weeks it's been kind of an exhausting few weeks has anyone else had an exhausting last few weeks uh the sheer amount of uh, of stuff that we're dealing with whether it be uh, is school going back in? Our kids are, are, are dealing with our sports going to start back. Um, what about work? Are people going to come back to work? Are we going to be able to, to continue to go do the things that we normally do? Are we going to have to go back and stay at home some more? What, what are we doing? And then we had another component that came in, and we spent the last four weeks talking about race, and race has been all over the news, still is all over the news, and we spent four weeks talking about what does it look like for us as the church to engage, and some of those conversations were pretty difficult, and some of them were very enlightening, uh, and so we'll continue that conversation uh, in the months to come, but we're going to leave that because as we are waiting for the next chapter of what is to be, because that is kind of what we're doing, isn't it? We're, we're somewhat waiting for what the next thing is going to be. We may be waiting for what's going to happen with work, what's going to happen with vacation, what's going to happen with school, what's going to happen with sports, what's going to happen with our family. Are we going to be able to see people? Some have been keeping a distance um, from others that uh, are in your family because you just want to make sure that they're safe. Am I going to be able to get back and see them? We, we're in this kind of time from what we have known and what we have experienced and what life is like and what we like about life to kind of what is going to be and we don't really know what's going to be and if you watch the news you really don't know what's going to be and we're in this period of so so what do we do where do we go what how do we respond uh to this and so we, i want to spend some time over the next few weeks talking about the essentials of life, the essentials of our faith, and ultimately the reality that in, in all of this, whether we're talking about viruses or race or home or finances or family or mental health, uh, that we come to the same conclusion that among all essential things that we've seen, and if we go around the room, I'd be curious what you found was essential during this time, whether it was being able to eat out or do it, be able to do takeout, be able to get toilet paper or whatever you need to get, that Jesus is absolutely essential for us. But outside of that just main statement that Jesus is essential, the reality is, is that we either live in that reality or we say it, but we may not live in it. And when we don't live in that reality, we are going to struggle within life. We are going to struggle with fear. We are going to struggle with risk. We are going to struggle with waiting for the next step. And and for many, perhaps your prayer has been, okay, God, what is next? What do I do next? 
what, what, what am I supposed to do moving forward? Because I'm just not sure what that's supposed to look like. It's an uncomfortable place for us to be in. But at the same time, it is a place that God regularly puts his followers in. And he seems to be putting the world in mass. Not that he has caused the pandemic, but in the midst of the pandemic, he kind of has us where he wants us, which is a little off kilter, a little off center, at a place where we're really unsure. And we can respond in a number of ways. We can respond with fear. We can respond with Uh, just the unknown, or we can respond boldly waiting for him to show us what the next thing is. I I in no way want to begin this series with the idea that if you are concerned about the world, that you just need to have a little more faith. (laughs) Because the reality is, is that's not how Jesus approached the world. We have a part to play. We have a place to be. We have a voice to use that we are supposed to be concerned with what's going on in the world. So I'm not suggesting that we just need to have faith and ignore all the bad things going on around us. But what I am suggesting is how we respond to all of the uncertainties within life is going to depend on what is a really, truly essential for us. What is essential? We're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 16. We're going to look at a couple of things before we get uh, to what that looks like. And as we... As we come to the place of determining what is the most important thing in life, what is the most essential things in life, I want you to recognize we're going to, we're going to enter into the story of the disciples this morning, but we're going to enter into a, a moment in their story in which they were not exactly in the same ex- circumstances we are in, but they are exactly in the same place of a sense of, so here we are leaving something comfortable, safe, we understand We're ready for that, and we're moving towards something else, and we don't know what that something else is. We don't know what that next thing is that's coming, and Jesus kind of sets them up for this place. And in the midst of this moment of uncertainty, he asks a very important question. But before we do that, let's just kind of catch up to where they are, and let's see where they're going, and then we'll look at the question that Jesus asks So far up until this point, the disciples have for the most part gathered, the 12. They've heard the Sermon on the Mount. We spent several weeks on the Beatitudes. They've watched Jesus perform some incredible miracles. So they've seen this is not an ordinary man. This is not an ordinary person. And Jesus has also been talking to them about the cost of following him. Which is interesting because if you want to draw a crowd, do the miracles, don't talk about the cost. And yet Jesus, as he's preparing them, as, as the disciples are kind of figuring things out and they're not really sure how they're, they're supposed to move forward, this is what Jesus says, or this is a, a, the environment in which Jesus says it. A scribe came up and said to Jesus, Teacher, I'll follow you wherever you go. I think sometimes that's, that's Christians today. I, listen, Jesus, if you'll, just, if you'll just do this thing, I will do whatever you want me to do. I'll follow you wherever you want me to go. He says, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, and this is where, you know, a a PR manager would say, Jesus, this is not the way to do this. (laughs) This is not the way to get people to follow you. Jesus says, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Another disciples came to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, follow me 
and leave the dead to bury their own dead. Now, I can't imagine that night as the disciples lay their heads down to go to sleep that they're thinking in the back of their minds, what are we getting ourselves into? Like that, Jesus, shouldn't he be able to bury his dad? And yet Jesus' point was not that you shouldn't have compassion or love or, or, or engage in those times of heartbreak with your family. His point was, if there is anything more important than me, you can't follow me. Now, this is crucially important for the disciples because up to this time, they have been following a religious system. They have been following the priests. And as we've seen over the last few years, as we've studied kind of that period around the time that Jesus came, what happened in the 300 years after, that there was great corruption for the fact that Rome had infiltrated everything about the Jewish system. They had put their own high priest in. They had their own priests that were loyal to them. And there there were a few that would buck the system, but those in power, they knew how to follow directions. And so the system that they had relied on to hear from God and to understand God, to listen to what God wanted from them, maybe like some of us feel today, felt very quiet. Is God speaking? Where is God in all of this? What we find is... Literally between Malachi, which is the last time that the Jewish people hear from God directly, until Jesus enters the scene is about 400 years, which is about 15 generations of people. Now, you know what would be fun is if we went around the room and said, do you know who your 15th great-grandfather was or grandmother? Like, we don't know, do we? We'd have to go get a subscription on, on Ancestry or something to figure out who these people were. Maybe we know one generation back, maybe two generations, maybe even three generations, but we don't even know who that 15th generation was. And God hasn't spoken to them in the way that they're used to him speaking in 15 generations. See, we're in a moment right now of the kind of already but not yet we're kind of in that moment of i know what has been i don't know what will be we're in that moment of i know how i've functioned in the world here but i don't yet know how i'm going to function in the world there i don't even know what that world looks like the 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 nomenclature the new normal i is there is there going to be a new normal or is this just like a a short period of time like this is going to be a thing we did back in 2020 that nobody ever talks about again or are there, is this a new normal in which we're going to have to figure out new ways? I've never worn a mask to church before, right? Never had to tell a group of people, listen, don't get too close at church. Like, that's the exact opposite message that we want to have at church. Like, you get, get closer. Why don't you all sit together? We joke about sometimes, why don't you all just squeeze in on Sunday mornings? And now we're saying, why don't you just spread out? It's weird, it's weird. It's, it's not normal. But that's the place we find ourselves, and the disciples find themselves, while not in the midst of a pandemic, still find themselves in that precarious place of having to give up what they have known, and they're embracing this thing, and they don't yet know exactly what it is. After this time in which the scribe says, hey, I want to follow you, Jesus says, it says you've got to leave everything. you got to drop everything if you want to follow me. I've got to be the most important thing or nothing to you. There's no middle road for this. Jesus goes on and he continues to do these incredible things and they experience Jesus calming a storm. 
He just speaks in the storm. They're out in a boat, and he speaks, and it just stops. Jesus will then say something that has just got to be so refreshing to them and something that we hold on to the promises so often. Come, all who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. They hear those words come out of Jesus' mouth. And then the unthinkable happens for them, and the greatest, most spiritual person on the face of the planet outside of Jesus in their minds dies. John the Baptist. After all of this, the Pharisees see an opportunity. They see an opportunity to silence this Jesus who's mucking up the system, who's working with the system, who's calling them out on the things that they're doing that are not what God has called them to. And so they approach him and they say, you know what, let's, let's, let's trip this guy up. Let's, let's force him to do something. And they begin to demand a sign from him. If you want us to believe you, if you want us to follow you, we need a sign. It's not unlike something times in our own lives, in my own life, in which I'm like, Jesus, I just need you to do something. Do you all ever do that? Do you ever have that moment where you just say, Jesus, I just need you to do something here. I need to to show up. I need you to know you're here. And this time, a group of people who are not believers demand a sign from him. This is what happens in Matthew chapter 16, verse 1. It says, The Pharisees and Sadducees came to test him. They asked him to show them a sign from heaven. And he answered them, When it is evening, you say it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be stormy today, for the sky is red and threatening. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. So he left them and he departed. In other words, I won't give you a sign. This is not the only time Jesus refuses to give a sign for those who wanted to see it. But what's amazing is is Jesus has a tendency, except for when his mother asks, has a tendency when asked to perform to say no. (laughs) Now when his mom said, can you work on this wine issue for the wedding? Jesus like, I don't, it's not my time, mom. Okay. (laughs) But everybody else that demands a sign, Jesus says no. Because what you want is not me. What you want is not the truth. What you want is not to build your life on this main one thing that's important for everybody. What you want is a show. And I'm not giving it to you. So the disciples see this and they're like, what? Normally, Jesus just does stuff. Like, what? What was, what was that? The reality for our lives, whether it be in the midst of a pandemic, whether it be in the midst of uncertainty, are we going back to school? Are we going back to work? Are we ever going to recover financially for this? Are we going to whatever, whatever, whatever? There are few things as certain in our lives as a clear sign. I mean a clear sign. Not like I was praying. And a bird flew across the yard, and that was God's, that was my sign. You know, when somebody tells me that, I'm like, okay, but I'm not invested in your thing. I'm going to be honest right now. I'm not, I'm not invested in your, over a bird that flew across your yard. That's not me. I'm not doing that. I don't know about you. You all go ahead. I'm not invested in that. I was, I was reading my Bible, and I just wasn't sure if I should go and do this thing. And I, I opened it up, and, and it just, and it said, go. I first word I read said, go and so i went and did it that's not what that verse means yeah <laughs> just because you use all that word go but a clear sign 
I don't know about you, I don't have a lot of these clear signs within my life. Some of the clearest signs I've had in my life come out of the mouths of believers, to be honest. Wise counsel and spirit-inspired um, wisdom from believers is often a sign that comes from God. Another sign I often get is, is just reading through his word. It's sometimes so crystal clear. This is what you said. This is what you mean. This is what we do. There are a few things as certain as a clear sign. Well, what about when there's not a sign? What about when there's uncertainty? What about the fact that every headline you see makes you angry <laughs> or afraid or full of anxiety? What happens if you've got friends that are mad at you for one thing and another group of friends that are mad at you for the exact opposite thing and you're like, what do I do here? God, what do I do in this moment? And yet God doesn't seem to give a clear sign. How do we move forward? What do we do? I can tell you our, our elders, I'm so appreciative of them. And have, we've had a weekly call um, since we started uh, quarantining, just talking about how do we do what's best for the church and how do we make good decisions. And not everyone on our elder agree, elder uh, team agrees, just like not everybody you know agrees, but we worked back and forth these last four months to determine what's the best way for us to be responsible for this. And we were looking for a sign. <laughs> so we shared with, with you, a few, you know, several times that part of the signs we were looking for, how many people are in the hospital, how many people are in ICU, those are quantifiable, concrete numbers we can look at. And, and then the health department turned on us and found out that half of the numbers that they were reporting weren't even for Hamilton County. And so now what do we do with now our clear signs, not a clear sign. What do we do in those moments where there's just not a clear sign? After this exchange, Jesus is setting the disciples up. The conversation with the scribe is a setup. This conversation he's about to have with them is a setup. Because he wants them to be in a place of uncertainty because it is in the place of uncertainty in which we are most likely to trust God most fully. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 5, when the disciples reached the other side, they had forgotten to bring any bread. They didn't have any administratively minded folks among them, I guess. Jesus said to them, Watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And this is, this is actually makes me feel better about my own faith and spirituality, how they respond. Watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And they began discussing it among themselves. Like, nobody wants to bring it to Jesus. Like, Jesus, you realize we have no bread, right? So they start talking about themselves. Uh, we brought no bread. What do you mean leaven? We don't have any leaven. We don't have any bread, Jesus. But Jesus, aware of this, said, Oh, you of little faith. Why are you discussing among yourselves the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive? Like, are, do you guys still not get it is what we would say. You still not get it? Do you not yet perceive? Do you, do you not remember the five loaves for the 5,000 and how many baskets you gathered? Or the seven loaves for the thousands, uh, for the 4,000 and how many baskets you gathered? How is it that you fail to understand that I did not speak about bread? 
I'm not talking about that. I know you didn't bring bread. It's not what I meant. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Then they understood what he did not tell them. He understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Now, this is an important moment for them, and it's an important moment for us because he's at this moment, he's been leading them to a place, and he's got them kind of on the edge, and he is severing a connection that was secure and what was comfortable, what they had known, what all their ancestors had known. Don't follow the teaching of the people in their religious establishment. See, God set that in motion through Moses. Put the priests in their place. The Pharisees and the Sadducees kind of came after as the experts of the law. They were the people that you listened to. They were the teachers. They were the ones that told everybody how things need to go. They were the leaders, the ones in charge. And they have become increasingly important because God has been silent for 15 generations. And now Jesus says to them in a moment, avoid the leaven. Now, you have to understand, leaven is used for a number of different things. It is to help bread rise, for those of you who aren't bakers. I'm not a baker, but I know what leaven does. It helps bread rise. The original... Uh, communion was taken with unleavened bread and that it was bread that had not risen and that was primarily to symbolize the fact that when they left Egypt they didn't have a chance to properly make their bread they had to get out in a moment so they had to take their bread before it had risen and that was to remind them how quickly God delivered them out of Egypt and, and but leaven is also described in scripture as sin don't follow the sin of the Pharisees and the Sadducees or the hubris of the Pharisees and the Sadducees don't follow the pride of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and don't follow the teachings of the Pharisees or the Sadducees and in this moment this is their pandemic because Jesus is asking them to sever what they have known and what they are comfortable with. And what Jesus is really doing here is what I believe Jesus is doing with us in this moment, is that Jesus was driving them to a place where they had to let go of the past and their old teachers to embrace the new thing Jesus was doing. What if God is doing something new in our world? What if he wants to do something new in your life? What if the masks are not masks? I mean, they are masks. Let's not get too, you know, symbolic. But, but what if those are just a piece of the puzzle of God saying, I'm doing something new, and I need you to let go of what you are so comfortable with, because if you don't, you will miss the new thing. Because, see, that's how Jesus works. That's how he works. These were uncertain times for them. Some have called them the in-betweens. We're in between something. We're in between what we've known. We're in between what we don't know. What we wish things would return to, but the belief that they won't actually ever fully return to that. We have lots of these in-between moments in our life. It doesn't just happen in a pandemic. There's an in-between moment if 
For those of you who have children, there's an in-between moment when when someone gets pregnant, isn't there? Like, something new's happening. <laughs> I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know what's going to happen. And maybe on, you know, fourth or fifth kid, you've got an idea, right? But, but especially that first child, I don't know what's about to happen. Jonathan in our house is getting ready to start his freshman year in a really, a really uncertain time. Jake just started his freshman year in college in a very uncertain time. Emma is going to be entering her senior year in a very uncertain time. Transitional moments in life in that once you move past those moments, you're not really sure what the next stage has. That's an in-between. Moving to your freshman year is an in-between. Graduating from high school or college is an in-between. Being laid off ushers in an unwelcomed in-between. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do now. Can't do what I was doing. I don't know what I'm going to do now. Or maybe even, I so hate my job, I cannot do this job one more day. And we enter into the in-betweens. Coronavirus is an in-between. The conversation on race and this moment is an in-between. Jesus goes on and follows that up after severing that tie. And in a moment, I'm sure the disciples are like, what? Jesus says in verse 13, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? This question has been on Jesus' mind to ask his disciples long before this moment happened. And he's been pushing them to it, preparing them for it. And in a moment, severs their tie or begins to sever their tie with those who they have held themselves in submission to. Who do people say that the Son of Man is? Who do we say the Son of Man is? Who do you, when you're alone and quiet, no one else is with you, you're alone with your thoughts, who in that moment do you say that he is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. In other words, I, I don't want to, I'm just, could be any of these people. I mean, lots of people are talking. People do that. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Which, by the way, don't miss that. When we talk about evangelism, which has to be a part of every day of our life as a follower of Jesus, because that is the ministry he has given to us. Interesting what he says is in a moment, Peter says, yeah, you're, you're the Christ. You are the Son of God. And Jesus' response was the same to him as it was to me or to you or to anyone else. Flesh and blood didn't tell you that. God did. So it's an interesting thing when we begin to dig in and see how God works, that, that actually the, the draw to repentance, the draw to confession the draw to the place in which we invite Jesus to be our Savior and we surrender our lives to Him, that is a ministry of the Holy Spirit. We're like, we, we, we like just get the, the data out there. We just get the information out there. 
we let them know what the truth is. But what Scripture actually says is it's the Holy Spirit within a person that draws them, convicts them, moves them to repentance, brings them into God's family. And he's, he's teaching them this starting now. Flesh and blood has not revealed to this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Which, by the way, I, I grew up believing that he meant that was Peter. Like Peter was the rock that he's going to build his church on. He was like the first pope. That's the way some of the history of the Catholic Church goes. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying, you know, you, Peter, you're the man. Like, this whole empire of church is going to be built on you. How silly when we say it that way. On this rock I will build my church is the confession. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he says, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. What do we take out of this? Certainly not a clear path of what are you supposed to do next in the midst of world events. Although over the next few weeks I want us to approach that question. I want us to talk about what does it look like to take risk. It, you took a risk in coming today. Like every decision you make in life has some associated risk with it, right? And one of the things we can do is we can assume that we can live a risk-free life, and that's a pretty terrible life. Like you can't do anything. We, want, we need to talk about risk. Risk about sharing our faith. Risk about fully trusting that God is moving us somewhere. Risk that he might be saying, it's time for a change. I will tell you what I, what I feel Jesus has been saying to me consistently through this quarantine is I need you to stop and I, I need you to reconsider some things. I think many of you have had that same experience. It's not been fun, but it's been a blessing in that way. the end of the day, what he's asking them is this basic question is, what is essential? We heard about essential workers, essential services. Jesus is asking, so what is essential? You are the Christ, the Son of God. This is our confession as followers of Jesus, that Jesus is essential. Everything we're going to do when we move forward, whether we're talking about the virus, whether we're talking about race, whether we're talking about our church, your family, your work, your financial health or stability, your career, your major, all has to start somewhere. There has to be a central lens by which everything else is viewed, and that has to be for a follower of Jesus, that Jesus is essential. Not one of the essentials. The only essential. The essential in which all other things come out of. Now, how does that work? We're going to unpack that over the next few weeks. But let our confession be in this time when everyone is shouting and yelling and cursing. Jesus is essential. 
He asked Peter this question, and it's the question that each of us is going to have to answer within our lives. And I believe that some variation of this question is what it's going to look like when we stand before Christ. And he asks us, not why should I let you into heaven? Well, that's a perfectly fine question. But instead, this, who do you say that I am? Who do we say that he is? Is he essential? Is he the Christ? Is he the Son of God? Is he a great teacher? Is he a good man, a prophet, an interesting person? What we say about Jesus determines how we live in that knowledge of who he is. The reality is that most people don't like these threshold moments, these moments of the uh, the already is over and the the not yet, we're not sure what that's going to be. We, we don't like those moments. We reject them for comfort and safety, for just to know. Just let me know. But what if Jesus wants you in this moment of uncertainty right now? What if he wants us to clear these distractions from our plate? And he says, I am here. I have a plan. I have a purpose for you. I am doing a new thing. I am doing it in you. we answered this, that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, the essential of all life, what will you see differently? Where will you go differently? What will you do differently? We opened the service today with a video talking about song Amazing Grace. Begins talking about this in-between moment in our life. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. You may be in an in-between moment in your own life. What if the next step in your journey really doesn't have anything to do with a pandemic or race or money or jobs? What if the next step in your journey will not happen until you settle the question in your own heart of who Jesus is? Let's settle that. If you're watching or if you're in the building with us, I want to encourage you that this is our testimony. This is our cry. This is, this is what forms the basis for all that we are, for how we view ourselves, for how we view others, for how we deal with complex issues in the world, for, for everything. Who do we say he is? Over the next few weeks, let's unpack that to see that Jesus is essential. Let's pray with me, Father. God, I thank you for the, the love that you've given us. Thank you that you're here with us, even at times when we question whether that's true. I thank you for the fact that I can call out to you and you hear me. But you came to us. You loved us. I thank you that there's no time in our life that we cannot turn to you. That you say, I'm done with you, enough of you. Thank you for your love and your graciousness. I pray for those that are in a moment of uncertainty, and that uncertainty 
just feels like it's overpowering. That you would give them your strength and your comfort. But I hope that we would see clearly what you are trying to do and what you are trying to say so that we ourselves will live a life in which you are essential. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.